you know, you come up, you pass through the church, and I, I think for the first three months I was trying to be Skip Heitzig, then I would you know, morph into Billy Graham, then I would morph into, you know, John Wayne. I mean, whatever, you know. I was trying to be something that I wasn't, and God said, be the best you that you can be. Mm. Your experiences, what you've gone through in life, are unique to how I want to use you. So be who you are. By the grace of God, Paul said, I am mm. what I am. You know, I can't be anybody but Al Pittman. Mm-hmm. Stop beating yourself up because you don't sound like this guy or that guy or that woman or that some other lady or whatever the woman is speaking or whatever. You know, be the best servant of God that you can be. That's the best advice I can give one of the best things I could tell somebody about when you're preaching the word, stop trying to be something God never created you to be. Mm. It's so liberating to just, you know, be who you are. And God, I see preachers who, you know, who literally read their sermons mm-hmm. and God use them powerfully because that's who they are. Then I've seen people who should be reading the, service, the sermons, but they're running all over the stage trying to be somebody they saw on television and total failure. You know, because it's not genuine, it's not authentic. And so God just wants us to be who we are, and that's that's huge. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 185. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And the voice that you just heard is our guest this week, which is Pastor Al Pittman. Al Pittman pastors the Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And this conversation is one that he has with uh, Nick Cady, uh, a fellow leader and on the steering committee of the Expositors Collective. And uh, this conversation, guys, this is like one of my favorite episodes, I think. I could listen to Al talk for days, love his voice, and love what he has to say. So if you, like me, like listening to Al talk, well, then you're in luck because he's going to be one of our um, speakers and uh, group leaders at our in-person training event, which is taking place in Colorado Springs, Colorado, September 17th and 18th. Uh, There's an in-person training, and also we're going to be paralleling it uh, online as well. Uh, So please go to expositorscollective.com for more details and for registration for this upcoming event. Okay, I'm going to get out of your way and allow you to listen to this really great, soul-stirring and inspiring conversation between Nick Cady and Al Pittman. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast. This is Nick Cady, and I am joined today by Pastor Al Pittman. Hey, Al. Hey. So good to be with you. It's good um, to be here. I'm down in Colorado Springs. This is actually my first time at your church, but we live in we live in the same state, but I'm like two hours north of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's good to have you here with us. Oh, yeah. It's amazing to be down here. I hear you on the radio all the time, and uh, it's good to sit across the table from you and, and talk about preaching. Amen. Yeah. So... Al, could you please just introduce yourself to our audience, maybe tell us a little bit about your background and about your ministry? Okay. Um, Of course, uh, Pastor Al Pittman, but um, senior pastor here at Calvary Worship Center in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and um, um, have just been uh, ministering here in this fellowship for almost 25 years, Mm. and uh, just loving it, uh, loving what God is doing and seeing the faithfulness of God. Um, called to ministry, um, I believe. Real called to preaching God's word was 
back in the dark ages while the earth was still cooling. <laughs> and uh, But I was in Bible college. It was the fall of uh, 1974. And... Wow. Um, sitting in the classroom, and I heard the Lord say, preach my word. Mm. You know, God doesn't tell you much. He just, he just he gives you a few, a few uh, words of direction, and then you don't know how it all is going to come to pass or come about. But that's when I first heard and had the conviction of the Holy Spirit when God said, preach my word. Didn't know what that all meant or anything like that. Last thing in the world I ever wanted to be was a preacher. Mm. And so God has a sense of humor, <laughs> I think, and... Uh, but the rest is history. But um, anyway, blessed of the Lord. And, uh, of course, it's been a long journey since 1974, but here we are and uh, doing exactly what God told me to do. I'm curious, why would you uh, say that you it was the last thing you wanted to be was a preacher? Well, um, first, before, before I became a Christian, I was never entered my vocabulary. Um and then being in Bible college as a young believer back in the Jesus movement days, I got saved in '74, and and um, and uh, I, I I was I, I discovered Christian music, and I was a musician, and I was playing with this Christian band, and it was so cool, and just you know that was kind of radical back then, mm-hmm. and uh, I could see myself preaching, you know, evangelistic, but it, but I didn't want to be a pastor, a in the sense, when I talk about preaching, I didn't want to be a pastor, mm-hmm. and that's the last thing in the world I ever wanted to be. But as a young Christian, I could see myself traveling around the world for yeah. Jesus, being famous for God, you know, yeah. kind of a thing. Right. And uh, but um, uh, that's what I meant. I didn't, didn't, never saw myself being a pastor as my, you know, you know, as a Christian. But of course, again, as a non-believer before I came to Christ, that was yeah, the last thing. I, you know, it's the worst thing you could say is that I would, I would be funny. a pastor or a preacher. Yeah. And I remember I was in, uh, I think I was in high school and I had just gotten saved. You know, I got saved when I was 16 and somebody had mentioned to me, oh, you know, maybe one day you'll be a pastor. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, like Get out of here. Putting a curse on you or yeah. something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, where, where are you from? Are you from here originally? Well, no. Um, my wife's born and raised here. Um, my dad was in the military. I was born in... Uh, uh, Panama City, Florida, at uh, Tyndall Air Force Base, actually. And my dad was in the, in the military. And so from there, we traveled all around the states, uh, lived in Germany for three years. Um, so I was, a, I was a military brat, mm. Army brat. And um, so, but moved to Colorado Springs in first time in 1964. And, uh, you know, it's been home ever since. Wow, yeah, sixty four. Wow, it's yeah, that, probably changed a ton, huh? Uh, whoo! Back then, the, the biggest thing going on was the uh, Pike Speaker Bus Rodeo, oh, and right? uh, yeah, I would come every year in the street breakfasts, and that was the biggest thing going on. Yeah, it was a really small town, mm. um, but you know, it's not a small town anymore, <laughs> right? So you say you you moved here to Springs in sixty four. And you were in Bible college in 74. Mm-hmm. So what happened in between that that led you going to Bible college? And where did you go to Bible college? Went to, um, uh, at the time they had a campus. They don't, they don't have a campus here anymore. Uh, it's Everything's online. But it was a Nazarene Bible college here in Colorado Springs. And um, so I, I was, uh, 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 you know, went, went out there. It was kind of an interesting story how I started going to the school out there. But uh I, I really knew nothing. I, I, well, we came back from Germany in the early 70s, in 73, 
my sister had come to the Lord, and mm-hmm. so she was sharing Christ with me, and I thought it was the weirdest thing. Mm-hmm. Invited me to go to this Nazarene church, Eastboro Church of the Nazarene. Some people might remember it. Uh, uh, I'll never forget the pastor's name, Pastor Henry Cheatwood. And he shared uh, a message, and, uh, and it's actually, an, uh, and I, I was hearing the word, but it was the night that I went to a special movie night, mm. and they were showing the movie Thief in the Night in the Night. Okay. The most hokiest Christian movie ever made on the planet. That's saying a lot. Too. Yeah, yeah, I'm serious. It was bad production, but you know, it, 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 when the Word of God is in it, it convicted my heart, and I heard the Lord say, is there anything here on earth you want to be left behind for? It was about the rapture of the church and yeah. all that, and I gave my life to Christ, and um, you know, that began the journey, but um, yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah, yeah right. So that, that's what turned my life. That what turned everything around. So. Yeah, and you end up going to Nazarene Bible College. Yeah, I, you know, I knew I knew a couple of guys uh, that I, you know, respected in the Lord, and they were Christians, and I was a new Christian. I don't know what do you do next, and I thought, oh, I guess let's go to Bible college, and literally went out to Bible college, not knowing what I was going to do on the last day of registration, probably fifteen minutes before they <clears throat> shut the offices. Showed up there. I was uh, at the time, I was 18, just showed up there at the office and was like, uh, you know, I mean, (laughs) didn't know anything. I'm here to sign up for Bible college. I mean, that was kind of my deal. And the lady next, sign this, sign that, sign that. Walked out of there with a ton of books in my hand Mm -hmm. with a schedule and a full ride scholarship. Is that right? Wow. Is that God or what? I knew nothing. I was in school. And I, that's, and I had no idea what I was doing. I was just a brand-new Christian. And uh, so God made a way for me to go there. Amazing. Well, we always like to ask this question. Tell us about your very first sermon. Do you, <laughs> how'd it go? Uh, disasters. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about it. You know, well, it was just, you know, when you, uh, you know, really start out, I think you, you have so much to say. And you say it so quickly that you know it's it's uh, it's over and done with. I mean, you know, you got forty minutes to speak, and in fifteen minutes you're like, and in conclusion, you know, yeah. you're done. Um, so I, you know, it was I was speaking real fast, and you know, you you stumble over all the things I think that we humanly uh, go through. You know, I'm trying to impress people, mm. trying to sound, uh, you know, intelligent and. And well studied, and you know the bottom line is we, we want to look good in front of folks. And in doing that, of course, you know you should forget about who you're really doing it for and, mm. and who, who should get the glory. But yeah, it was it was disastrous. I was nervous. I was, you know, mixing my words. I'm probably saying a whole lot of stuff like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? You know what I mean? And uh, <laughs> I didn't know what I meant. So, <laughs> so you know, and uh, you know, so it was it was kind of it was, you know. I got to block those memories out, but it's, it was pretty disastrous. But but then God is faithful. Mm. Where did you preach that sermon? My first sermon, well, I, I cannot remember exactly. The first one, the first sermon I ever preached was in Bible college. Okay. We had a class, the homiletics class, mm-hmm. and everybody got a few minutes to, to preach. And, uh, you know, a nervousness all get out. And so that was probably the first. And, um, you know, beyond that, um, <clears throat> I was, uh, when I went on staff, excuse me, well, I went on staff uh, with Calvary Chapel of Colorado Springs, uh, 
we stumbled upon Calvary Chapel in 1979, started going in 1980. Mm. I was or, and was asked to be on staff. I was in, started and ordained in 1981. Um, and I preached my first message there. They had, we, we, we used to do Saturday night mm-hmm. uh, outreach services. And we would have a band, a concert, and then I would get up and preach. So, you know, that you know, I started preaching in officially in the church. That that was probably my first first sermon. And you know, I can't remember that one uh, exactly, but the one in Bible college was yeah disaster. Do you remember <laughs> what you taught on that very first time? Do not. No. I do not remember. Or, you know, um, I can't remember. And like I said, I probably just blocked it all out. <laughs> but, yeah. it's like, uh, but I know I was speaking real real fast in Bible college, and then when I was at the Calvary Chapel, Colorado Springs, um, I'm sure it was something evangelistic, maybe John 3.16. But uh, yeah. I had slowed down a little bit since the Bible college days, but it was I was still kind of a nervous wreck sometimes. Yeah. 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 Well, speaking of homiletics, um, you're going to be speaking on homiletics at the upcoming Expositors Collective Training Weekend happening here in Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about that more in just a minute, but that's September 17th and 18th. Um, it's not here at this church. It's at another Calvary church here in town called Rocky Mountain Calvary. But uh, right. hopefully, you know, I guess in since that time, I guess now you're, you become an expert on homiletics. You probably teach that class. <laughs> you're going to teach us. <laughs> Well, I'm going to share with you what God has, has taught me. And, um, you know, it's going to be at uh, Pastor Eric Cartier's church. And Eric, of course, doing a great job over there for the Lord and uh, looking forward to, to being there. And just kind of sharing. That's the way I am. I, I'm, I'm probably not the, the – uh, it's not so much the academia of it. It's really the experience of it. And mm-hmm. that's – I want to be sharing kind of my experience and some hopefully some things that will help guys – you know, in the study of God's Word and presenta- presenting presentation of God's Word. Yeah. Yeah, well, that, that's related to the next question I have for you, which was, um, you know, since that time, starting out at Bible College and then coming here uh, to Calvary Chapel in 1980, I mean, how have you grown as a preacher since then? I mean, it's been a lot of years. Uh, how would you say you've grown and changed? There's so much I could say about that, um, really, and um, I think most Anybody preaching the word, teaching the word, can understand where I'm coming from when I say that. I, what I've learned over the years is that it's not about me. Mm. The Bible says that God has placed His excellency of His power in clay pots, mm-hmm. that the excellency of His power might be of Him and not of us. And for years, I, to be honest, and I said this in one place, I was preaching at a friend's church in, in Huntington Beach, but I, you know, I just told people, you know, I think probably ninety percent of the ministry. Of my ministry has been about me, mm. and you know, I, I what I mean by that is that sometimes it's it's about us, and you know, whether people like us or accept us or or you know anything like that, and uh, it, and it's, it's and I've learned over the years that it's it's not about about me. It's not about whether people like the message. In fact, um, I met a guy. We were, my, my wife and I were vacationing in in, uh, in Hawaii, and uh, met a preacher. He was from another church. And uh, second-generation preacher, and he said his daddy taught him something, something over the years. He said, you know, when it comes to preaching, he said, it's like being a bus driver. Mm-hmm. Some people get on, some people get off, but you got to keep driving the bus. Yeah, you got to stay focused on the message. you got to stay focused on Jesus. Mm-hmm. you got to keep driving the bus. 
And sometimes, you know, we think it's about us. No, it's about the bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's about being a mailman. It's about delivering the mail. What thus saith the Lord? Mm-hmm. Um, Chuck Smith said it best, uh, I think, when he gave the illustration about the Kool-Aid in the container, the plastic container in the refrigerator. If it's been there for several days and you pour out a glass of Kool-Aid, it has an aftertaste of plastic. Mm. But when it's in a glass container and you pour it out over a few days, all you taste is the Kool-Aid. Mm-hmm. We should not be glass containers, that glass or, or, or the plastic pitcher. It's not about leaving people an, af- an aftertaste of Al Pittman. Mm. It's about leaving people an aftertaste of Jesus. Mm-hmm. You know, undefiled by the flesh, undefiled by me, about personality, my personality or anything else. But give them Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've learned over the years. It's not about you. It's about the Lord. Mm-hmm. Give people Jesus. You deliver the mail. You deliver the mail. You know how it is. Some people come up after you preach, you know, and, oh, awesome message and all this. And next week you preach, nobody comes up. <laughs> you know, and then, then you're ready to resign and quit the ministry. You know, but it's about, you know, did you, did, did you, the question is, did you deliver the mail? Did you tell them what I what I gave to you in your quiet time, in your prayer time, in your study time. Yes, Lord, I did. Then that is your reward. Mm -hmm. Not what people say, not being accepted, not being popular, just delivering the mail. It's not about you. It's about the message. It's about Jesus. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great word. Here's a question I'd ask for you on that note is to say this, that, um, you know, on the other hand, right, God has created us as unique people. Right. And he's gifted us in certain ways, given us personalities, ways that we even reflect him as image bearers. And so what do you think is the role of the preacher in that sense? Like, is there a way in which God has uniquely created Al Pittman to deliver maybe a, a particular emphasis on the gospel or a particular emphasis in teaching the Bible? I mean, where, where do you think that... Uh, and I don't want to say human aspect, but almost like that God-given uh, human emphasis from the things that, you know, through his providence, how how he's guided your life mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. experiences he's led you through. What do you think the role is in that on the other hand? Excellent question. Um, all of your experiences and everything God has sent you through, good, bad, and the ugly, he uses for his glory. As Romans 8.28, all things do work together for good to those who love him, called according to his purpose. You're called according to his purpose. And what I've learned over the years, what I say it's an excellent question, is because I remember even when I first came up here to pastor the church, and I came from a church where it was an excellent, world-class expositor, Pastor Skip Heisek. He's a Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, one of the best Bible teachers you'll ever hear. And... Um, you know, I've sat under his ministry for years and watched him and learned a lot. But, um, you know, you come up, pastor the church, and I've, I think for the first three months I was trying to be Skip Heitzig. Then I would you know, morph into Billy Graham. Then I would morph into T.D. Jakes. And then I would morph into, you know, John Wayne. I mean, whatever, you know. I was trying to be something that I wasn't. And God said, be the best you that you can be. Mm. Your experiences what you've gone through in life are unique to how I want to use you. So be who you are. By the grace of God, Paul said, I am mm. what I am. You know, I can't be anybody but Al Pittman. Mm-hmm. Stop beating yourself up because you don't sound like this guy or that guy or that woman or that some other lady or whatever the woman is speaking or whatever. You know, be the best servant of God 
that you can be. That's the best advice I can give. One, one of the best things I could tell somebody about when you're preaching the word, stop trying to be something God never created you to be. Mm. It's so liberating to just, you know, be who you are. And God, I, I see preachers who, you know, who literally read their sermons mm-hmm. and God use them powerfully because that's who they are. Then I've seen people who should be reading the, service, the sermons, but they're running all over the stage trying to be somebody they saw on television and total failure, you know, because it's not genuine, it's not authentic. And so God just wants us to be who we are, and that's, that's huge. And, you know, I started uh, preaching every week. I was 19 years old. That's, I've been preaching so since I was 19 every wow. week. And, you know, here was my difficulty, because a lot of our audience, right, is younger preachers, maybe newer preachers. And this was my thing that I struggled with as a young preacher, was that I'm like, I haven't lived very much, so I don't have any stories to tell, right? Like, I don't have any. <laughs> so you're going to make up stuff. <laughs> or, I'd, yeah, you know, and there's a big time. I never did it, but I know that some people do this. No, they're like, no, yeah. they're like, appropriate somebody else's story. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, and so I never did that, but I, I definitely was like, well, I need some illustrations, but I haven't done many things. So, yeah. and, and, uh, and now, of course, I've had, I've had some more experiences. Um, but what, do you, what would you say to somebody who's like that? You know, they're like, yeah, I want to be me, yeah. but I don't have, you know, uh, I don't have any experiences to share because I'm, I'm young. Yeah. Well, one thing, again, it goes back to it's not, it's not about us. It's like, well, let's see, I, I have to have an experience to really illustrate this point. No, not really. Uh, you know, I go to sermon illustrations, <laughs> you know, online and, and, and find good illustrations from, uh, that I can share to, to make a point. And then sometimes God will show me something happened in my life that I can, I can share an illustration from my life. Um, but, uh, yeah, you, you just, you, um, I think of the Lord's words to, to Jeremiah, he was young and the Lord said, don't be afraid of their faces. Mm-hmm. He said, I'm going to make you like a bronze pillar. I'm going to, God use him mightily. And, uh, you know, he probably didn't have any good life illustrations either. You know, he was young and, and, but God said, don't be afraid of their faces. I've called you. If you're, if you're afraid of their faces, I'm going to make, you know, I'm going to make you, you know, the one that, uh, is going to be walking in fear. And I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. basically, you know, if, if you don't, if you're afraid of them, then I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to bless you. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, you don't have to always have an illustration, you know, people, yeah, but, uh, you know, you always admired a guy with a, you know, I was a drug addict, a drug dealer, did 20 years in prison, God really blessed me, and, you know, oh, Lord, I wish I had an illustration like that. Yeah. You know, it, it really at the core of that is, is, is a, you know, a desire to, do, to uh, um, exalt yourself. Mm. And, um, you know, you know, people come over, yeah, I was strung out, you know, on Snickers, and uh, you know, <laughs> I was, you know, I was like lost, and God, you know. It's like you know, it's 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 uh, you know, just just if, if there's something you can use from your life, great. But you don't have to, you know, look into your life and say something, make up something so dramatic. Because, like you said, a lot of times preachers will, you know, um, fabricate things yeah. uh, just to sound. You know, I was I was really a bad dude. You know, you smoked a joint once. Yeah. Okay, I mean that kind of a thing. Just be who. Again, yeah, be who you are. Yeah, like a bad week when he was seventeen. Yeah, you know, like you know, the, my dad didn't give me allowance, <laughs> and so I was strung out on, yeah. you know, yeah, whatever. I had a terrible family. Yeah, yeah. horrible man. You know, yeah. yeah, I only went on vacation once a year. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
Yeah, you know, and I think that's a great point you're saying. That you don't have to illustrate everything. Like, you yeah. don't have to have an amazing story about everything, yeah. right? Yeah, look, look, look at, I mean, really, you read the New Testament. I mean, you know, Paul didn't have a sermon illustration for every. I mean, you know, he just, let me tell you what God did. Yeah. You see, it's all about the Lord, it's not about us. This is what I, I think has really liberated me at one point. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long ago it was, but I th- it was that exact realization. That, okay, I need to teach the word. I don't need to get it backwards. Like, I don't need to start by saying, I need to have an amazing story. Yeah. And yeah. no, you just, okay, teach the word. Yeah. And as I'm doing yeah. it, I want to serve these people. I yeah. want to help them understand yeah. it. Well, you know, Jesus said to Peter, wash your, you know, uh, feed my sheep. And, and uh, he also said, wash, the, you know, told his disciples to wash each other's feet as he did. But but he said, feed my sheep. And I always think, what, did he, what, is it, what do you feed them? Mm. You feed them in the word of God. I I love Chuck Smith. Uh, he's in heaven now, and uh, that's all he did to that hippie generation, the late sixties, early seventies. He just taught the Bible. He didn't come in with a gangbuster opening. He didn't have great, you know, illustrations. He had illustrations, you know, from his life, from other situations. But you know, he just simply taught the word simply. Mm. See, this is one of the things I would tell any young pastor: the power. Is in the word. Mm. There's a promise that goes forth with the word of God. It will not return to him void, but will accomplish that which he sends it. Not you. He sends it to do. Because you send, you preach the word, you send it to make you look popular. You know, that's not what the, the, the word will accomplish. It'll accomplish what he desires. You know, and that is not to make you popular. Now, as your ministry expands, God will bless, you know, you and your influence in the community. But but the main thing is deliver the word and have confidence in the word. When I came here to pastor the church, that's the thing that God really cemented and, and you know, uh, uh, made really a, a factor in my ministry, and that is put your confidence in my word. Hmm. You know, and maybe your presentation wasn't that great. Maybe the illustration you used wasn't that great. But if you pro- give them my word, hmm. you know, then God will bless your ministry. Mm-hmm. And so the power I've learned, man, that it is in the word of God. And I think a lot of times we think, you know, the power is in my ability to address the issues of the day. Well, you know, yeah, I'll mention the issues, but keep the centrality of Christ at the center of your ministry and total confidence in the power of God's word. Amen. Yeah, you know, that reminds me of First Corinthians chapter 2. The mm-hmm. beginning section, mm-hmm. if you remember it, here's what Paul says. Mm-hmm. He says, Hey, when I came to you, I didn't come to you with a testimony with lofty or testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom. Right. He said, I was with you in weakness and in mm-hmm. fear and in much trembling. Mm-hmm. And my speech and my message were not with plausible words of wisdom, but they were with a demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power oh, of God. God. That's it. That is a key verse. Um, I think 2 Corinthians chapter 10 is another section of scripture that really helped me. I think it, you, you know, double check me on that, but I think it's chapter 10 and, and, and where he says, you know, those who compare themselves among themselves are not wise. And that's what we start doing in ministries, comparing ourselves among ourselves. And, and Paul goes on to say, I will not boast beyond the, the sphere of influence, which God has given me. Mm-hmm. 
And I love that because when I first came here to Colorado Springs, I thought I need to be a social butterfly and I need to be involved in everything. And this pastor group meeting, that pastor group meeting, and it's great to go to those meetings. But God reminded me, I called you to work in this part of the field, Mm. to pour into these people and feed them and make them, as Chuck Smith used to say, the best fed people in Mm -hmm. Colorado Springs. That's what you need to be focused on. And then as you feed them and they grow in the Lord, your sphere of influence will spread across the city, you know, the state, the nation, the world. Mm -hmm. And that's the way, but you got to focus on what God has given you to do. You know, and and uh, not be comparing yourself. Well, he has a worldwide ministry, and I only have fifty people. Well, <laughs> you better fall in love with those people because here's what the Lord told me. I'll never forget this. I was angry because you know when you come in as a new pastor, they'll always say Hosanna, mm. and just like with Jesus, a week later about they'll be saying crucify him. Yeah. Okay, every pastor needs to understand that. Yeah. And that's what happened with us. And I was angry because the people were, some were leaving and there were people in the church that didn't like very much. They didn't like me or whatever. And God told me this. I'll never forget. Here's the words. Love them or resign. Mm. I'll never forget that. And I began to ask God to change my heart. And I fell in love with these people, the good, the bad, and the ugly. I fell in love with the item. Love for the people of Calvary Worship Center. Uh, and that was when the church, and we had like 80 people when we came here. And you now God has blessed the church, and we have well, well over 80 people, you know. Uh, yeah. But um, but that's that, I had to learn that lesson. Love them or resign, you know. Um, that's that's a lesson I would pass on to any, any pastor. But focus on what God has given you to do, your sphere of influence, and then let God grow it from there. Mm. You know, I I personally I have I like to get into rhythms, you know. That's my way of doing things. Mm-hmm. And so my rhythm right now, I got into this rhythm where I love to start my story, my sermon with a story. Yeah. And I feel like it it's a great way to intro oh, it. Oh, sure. Love but you know what I found is that some of these preachers who are who have God is used in great ways, right? So I'm thinking of like David Guzik. I'm thinking of Tim Keller. Oh, these guys, yeah. They don't have an introduction. You ever notice that? Yeah, like, a lot, yeah, yeah, a lot of times, yeah, just right into the word. Yeah, like David, he, he even does it by principle. He even t- he he's told me and other people that he doesn't he purposefully mm-hmm. doesn't intro his sermon. Mm-hmm. He just jumps right in and mm-hmm. reads a verse. I love that. Yeah, yeah. Tim, I mean, Tim Keller, he's just yeah. be like talking, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we're in a Bible study right now. Like, yeah. you know? <laughs> but 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 I love that because and what they're doing, and I believe, and I'm you know, they let them speak for themselves. But what what I see in that is that I want your focus, and this is my heart's desire for my congregation, I want your focus in reliance to be upon God's Word. Mm. I, want, I, want, I want you to—here's my prayer for our people. God, give them an appetite for your Word mm-hmm. so that when they leave here and, you know, and go somewhere else where the Word isn't being taught, they begin to hunger again for your Word. Give them an appetite for your word so that the attraction is not the cool pastor. And God will use your personality. I get that. But the attraction to Calvary Worship Center, let it be God's word mm-hmm. is being proclaimed. That's, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, oh, he tell, he's a real funny guy or whatever. You know, and God will use your personality and humor and all that. But make sure that you give your people a love for the word. Mm. 
That's a good word. All right. Next question I got for you is this. What what challenges do you face in your, your particular setting here in Colorado Springs, mm-hmm. specifically as a preacher? Well, you know, um, challenges. There's all kind of challenges. I mean, my gosh. But the one challenge that I, and I always, I've been mentioning this lately to people when I get in conversations, that is to stay on message. There's so much going on out there around us. In the Old Testament, the Bible says, let the pot shards, pot, pot shards strive with the pot shards. The, the pieces of clay, the, the, you know, clay comes, you know, the pottery comes from uh, the, the dust of the earth. So the, the, the lesson there is let, let the world contend with the world. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we want to stand up for righteousness and all that kind of stuff. But a good soldier does not get involved in civilian affairs, Paul mm-hmm. said. And I stay on message because there's a tendency today to get off message, to get wrapped around the axle of today's issues. And what the danger of that is you can easily find yourself preaching another gospel. Mm-hmm. So in order for me to be really saved, I've got to be conservative. In order for me to be really saved, I've got to be liberal. In order for me to be really saved... I got to be Republican, or I've got to be right wing or left wing. You know, I've got to be this or that, or you know, um, it's it's you got to be careful. Stay on message. I love what Jesus said to Mary and Joseph when he got lost in Jerusalem. They were looking for him. He wasn't lost, but they lost him. <laughs> yeah, and went back and found him. Did you not know? I will be about my father's business. What, what, what are you think? What, what are you doing looking in the marketplace? I'm in the temple. Yeah. And I think the churches got to remember we got let's stay in the temple. Not, that doesn't mean mean behind closed you know walls of the church. Stay focused on our Father's business, and so that's the challenge that I face today: is stay on message, keep preaching and proclaiming the gospel. There are so many social social uh, so much there's a lot of social unrest in the days of Christ. People do a study of that: the Roman oppression, you know, oppression of the Jews. All these different things were going on. There were the zealots who were going around slitting the throats of uh, Roman soldiers because they wanted to reestablish Israel's glory, former glory. All these things were going on. Jesus never joined those movements because he only spoke the things his father told him to say and did the things the father told him to do. He was focused on his father's business. And I think that's where we have to be careful in the church today that we stay focused on our father's business. Stay on point. Stay on message. Preach the gospel. And so, like you're saying, you think there are a lot of influences in society right now yeah. that would really push us yeah. off center into, that, that, or at least want us to. Yeah. And, and they find their way into the church. And pastors, if they're not really praying and seeking the Lord, will capitulate and say, okay, we need to do more of this, you know. And, and, and all of a sudden, that becomes a standard of righteousness rather than Jesus. And we have to be careful mm-hmm. that, that, that we don't do that. So... Um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, be careful because, again, it, it, it happens here at Calvary Worship Center. It happens at every church and all the things we've gone through with COVID and all these things and, and uh, government regulations and, and people being divided over masks and all that. It just it's, it can easily seep into the church and we can start making those things the focus rather than, than the Word of God. Mm. And that's, that's a danger. And getting back, that, that reminds me again, once again, 1 Corinthians 2, the one verse in that section I didn't read is that he says this, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. <laughs> that means Paul came to Corinth yeah. 
And he didn't come to give them his opinions about this or that, even if he had them. Yeah. I mean, I've got opinions about stuff, but yeah. this is a this is a principle that's pretty important. Like I decided here, right. I'm not here to give any message but one. Right. Yeah. That, I, I love that because if you know anything about the history of Corinth, it was a seaport where you had all manner of vice. And so if a lot of modern-day thinkers today, Christians, would have gone there and started the moral majority. Mm. You know, they would have started a, a moral morality movement or protesting, you know, prostit- open prostitution and all this. Paul came there. I came there knowing nothing. Mm-hmm. I didn't come there to start a movement. I came nothing there knowing nothing but Christ and him crucified. Mm-hmm. Preaching, proclaiming the word of God. He stayed on message in the midst of worldly immorality. Mm-hmm. You see? And sometimes we go, we got to do something about it. No, we got to preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Even in Ephesus, another place that was full of immorality. I, I, I visited Ephesus, the yeah. ruins of Ephesus, a lot of brothels everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I, idolatry and all these things. Paul preached the word. Mm-hmm. You see? So what What should we be doing today? This this is our first rodeo, but it's not God's. Yeah, God's seen immorality. He's seen whole societies mm-hmm. You know, consumed by immorality. And, you know, he didn't change. The message didn't change for Paul the Apostle, for the apostles in the early church. You know, they kept proclaiming the gospel. And that's what we need to do today. Hmm. It's nothing new under the sun. That's good. Well, what advice would you give to young preachers and teachers? Anything that's on your heart to speak to the audience and say, hey, here's, here's my word for you? I would say every sermon really begins in your prayer closet. I would say that God called you because he loves you. See, sometimes preachers, we forget that the same grace that we're extending to others, we need to receive for ourselves because we can beat ourselves up a lot. We think we have to be perfect. Paul said, I have not arrived. But one thing I do is forget what's behind, I press forward. And I think, you know, the most important ministry we have is our closet ministry. Mm -hmm. It's it's not, you know, if you find yourself not praying but putting together a message, you've you've forgotten the most important thing, Mm -hmm. your relationship with the Lord. Take time to, to draw near to God. God wants your communion. He wants your heart first and foremost, you know. Um, and that's that's the thing that really matters because out of that the overflow, mm-hmm. you see, it, it, it's you know talking about the overflow. God pours out His love into our hearts. He wants us overflowing, and we minister from the overflow, not from the content. He doesn't want you to empty yourself, but does that which runs down the side of the cup mm-hmm. onto the table? That is what we minister through. But we've got to be full and overflowing first before we can truly minister. Effectively, so I would say you focus on the main. Your first ministry is your ministry. Minister unto the Lord. That was the job of the Levites. Mm. <laughs> that was the job of the priests in the Old Testament. What did they do? They ministered unto God mm. day and night. Yeah, I mean Acts thirteen, right? What are they doing? They're ministering unto the Lord, right? And that's when the Lord speaks and calls yeah. out Paul and Barnabas. Yeah, exactly. It's out of the overflow that God moves. How are you personally continuing to grow as a preacher? Um, 
I'm married. No. Because, <laughs> you know, you're, you're the spouse, you know, God will use your spouse and other people to keep you humble. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm continually, I, I am, I'm dumbfounded by how proud I can be. Mm. I'm dumb. You know, you think when you're, you know, people say, oh, I'm, I'm proud to be humble, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of a thing. It's like, you know, we, we think we've arrived or we've got it. And then God shows you, no, you haven't. And I think he does it on purpose to show us that, you know what, uh, you can't do this without me. Uh, they're, ju- they're just show live by faith. You got to walk by faith. And so uh, I'm just going to keep learning. Mm-hmm. Always be a student. I mean, from other pastors, I've learned from them, I'm you know, reading and all these things, I continue to read. I read articles. I'm not a big novel reader, but I'll grab an article or, or something, and or a small book, um, you know, that it will help equip me to be a better pastor. I want to keep growing as a pastor. Don't stop growing. Don't, you know, even if you're preaching the same sermon you preached three or four times before, look at it with fresh eyes, because mm-hmm. God is always trying to teach us something. No, no two sermons are alike. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, like snowflakes. And so I want to keep learning. So I try to keep learning, keep reading, keep humbling myself, and keep pursuing the Lord, and keep confessing. Mm. Because I've got flaws, and I've got areas that Holy Spirit wants to work on and change. But, you know, also keep receiving God's love and grace for yourself. Amen. Hey, Pastor Al, it's been a, been a real pleasure speaking with you today. Those are all mine. Thanks for asking me to come and do this. uh, I'm looking forward to hearing from you at the Expositors Collective. So just one last plug here. I'll give it it, that uh, Expositors Collective training weekend coming up in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Whether you're from Colorado or you're flying in, a lot of people fly in for these things. It's a good airport here in Colorado Springs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. People can just fly directly in. Absolutely, Southwest. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's uh, September 17th and 18th. That's a Friday and a Saturday. So it's Mm -hmm. a half-day Friday and a half-day Saturday. Okay, yeah. And your son came to our last one that we did, and some other staff members. And, yeah, uh, yeah, Nathan, my son, yeah. I mm-hmm. just talked to him right outside the yeah. door, oh, and yeah. uh, he's he told me he's excited to come again. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that we do at the training weekend is that at the end of day one, we give people an assignment to actually prepare a very short message, mm, okay. and then they're going to present it, and then they get immediate feedback on that, which I think, you know, getting that kind of feedback, really mm-hmm. helpful. Wow. I, I know that in my life, I didn't have that, but I could have used it, right? Somebody mm-hmm. would be just, tell yeah. me honestly, but caringly and like gently. Like, yeah. okay, <laughs> hey, uh, don't do that and do this. You know, that that's helpful. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff packed into this weekend right. and you're going to be giving a talk on homiletics. I'm looking forward to hearing it. I'm looking forward to being there and uh, look forward to seeing a lot of the folks who are listening now. I'm seeing them there as well. And so I'm excited about it. Cool. Thanks so much. Thank you. God bless. Well, thank you so much to Pastor Al and Nick for letting us listen in on such a great conversation. I've said it before, I love being able to conduct and to host the interviews, but like second to that, my favorite thing to do is to listen to when Nick does it. And uh, that was just a great conversation. Uh, Thank you so very much. Well, so I don't really need to invite you to the Expositors Collective training event in September 17th and 18th, 
because Nick and Al just did. So what I'm going to do now is I'm actually going to leave you with somewhat of an extended preview of next week's episode. Uh, I I spoke with uh, Pastor Pat Quinn, and he has written a book recently published by Crossway entitled Praying in Public. And he makes the case that preaching and even musical worship is a very prepared and thoughtful activity that takes place in Sunday mornings. In fact, this whole podcast is largely devoted to the acts of preparation in order to preach in public. Pat believes that prayer should also be thoughtfully and carefully prepared. Now, I know that there's a variety of um, different backgrounds of Christians who listen to this podcast and a a variety of different preachers uh, with our different liturgical or low church traditions, but I really believe that he has some valuable things for all of us to say. So I'm going to leave you with a somewhat extended preview of next week's episode. Make sure that you are subscribed so that when this comes out on Tuesday, that it automatically makes its way to your phone or to your device. I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective helps you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. kind of make a case that for the public prayers of of a of a church gathering on Sunday morning that it should be like prepared or or thoughtful. Could you maybe explain us a little bit about that? Yeah. Yeah. There there's prayer every Sunday. Okay. I, I don't think I've ever been to a service where somebody didn't at some point lead the congregation in prayer. I suspect the preparation for that would be far less than the preparation for preaching or even leading and singing. Okay. Uh, I've become convinced that that time of prayer uh, is, is really important. Um, First of all, um, God has designated in his word that, that there be leaders, right? And those are shepherds. They guard, they teach, they preach, and they pray. And there's lots of examples of that. Um, so I think it's a, it's a maximum opportunity to glorify God and unify the congregation uh, in coming together to pray. We also have promises about, you know, when God's people agree in prayer. So you want people engaged in that prayer. You want people unified in that prayer. You want people feeling like we're being led into the presence of God uh, to worship him, to confess our sins, and to ask for what we need. I think we're also, and other pastors have said this, we're also indirectly teaching people how to pray. And um, again, I don't want to be dismissive, but there's there's the, the temptation in traditions where things are more spontaneous and we're emphasizing freedom over form the, the temptation or the downside of that is uh, things can kind of ramble, they can kind of meander, um, they can get repetitious, certain words are repeated, you know, just out of nervousness, um, yeah, just, um, sometimes, Father God, people, people say the name of God in every other sentence, 
or they're just repeating themes that they've already prayed. It's almost like um, even mature people sometimes can, it's like if I start praying, uh, I'll end up somewhere, okay? And I'm thinking, I think we can do better than that. I think we want to know, first of all, I think we want to make sure that prayer is balanced, that there's adoration, that there's confession, that there's uh, supplication, and that we're not just praying if we're just praying off the cuff, uh, it, it it might be it might be a perfectly fine prayer, but I suspect prayers are going to sound pretty similar from week to week. I think the same thing is true about people who haven't maybe had a lot of theological background. You might you might pray good sermons, but there you might not be praying or preaching the whole counsel of God. Um, so I think preparation, thoughtfulness, whether you pray what I call scripted prayer, which is kind of praying scripture, praying a prayer or praying a passage of scripture, or whether it's more developed, which is what I tend to do. I think some thoughtful, some thinking beforehand um, to make sure I'm covering adoration, confession, supplication, and I'm praying beyond just the felt needs of myself and our congregation in some kind of systematic way, we're praying for the community, praying for our nation, praying for the gospel to be spread, praying for persecuted brothers and sisters. I think the more public and sort of formal it is, the more incumbent it is on us to, to have thought about it and done some kind of preparation. Okay, yeah. So that last sentence, so, so the more public it is, you think that there should be the more more preparation for it. So just to clarify, you aren't saying that when a husband and wife pray together at the end of the day, that needs to be a, a scripted liturgy. I think that would be kind of weird. Yeah. Well, and I, and I was, I was thinking when people come to a Bible study and, and they know they're going to end with her, people don't come with a little, like, here's my prayer, right? I'm, it's written out. No, of course not. And I certainly believe there are times in a service or types of public services where prayer can be very spontaneous. Okay? Okay, okay. So it might be a, it might be like a every once a month at our church in our Sunday evening service, we have uh, it's, it's a prayer service. And part of that might be just soliciting requests. And then the pastor or whoever's leading will say, you know, Sally, will you pray for that? John, will you pray for that? Those are all spontaneous prayers. Um, and I think that's very appropriate. Right. And Mike, I think that, the more someone is used to thinking and, you know, being a mature sort of practice prayer, um, they might not need as much preparation. You know, I, I heard a story about Sinclair Ferguson one time uh, at a conference and someone saw him in the restroom and Sinclair Ferguson was like just writing down a few notes on a scrap of paper. And the person said, is that your conference talk and Sinclair Ferguson said Shh. <laughs> now Sinclair Ferguson can get away with writing down a few notes and giving that as a conference talk okay yeah, yeah. most of us mere mortals can't absolutely and not. I think the same thing is true about prayer some people are so immersed in scripture they're such personal prayers themselves um that they can get up and sound, I mean, it's eloquent, it's God-centered, it's powerful. Um, I think that's where we all want to be. I'm just saying, 
Most of us aren't quite there yet. And I think our praying or leading in prayer deserves some attention, just like we would prepare to preach or lead in singing. Thank you.